NFL Week 7 prop bets and hit, man, a weekly staple of the show. Also a little bit of teaser talk. I ran into some more teaser trouble to start my week last night, losing a teaser on the Saints. And I could play the victim card, calling out that the Saints won by more than a yard per play. They were done in by a minus three turnover differential, including an end zone interception and not one, but two pick sixes in the final two minutes of the first half. But really what I should do here is look in the mirror because I teased the Saints up to plus seven and a half. That teaser leg closed at plus eight and a half. If you use the standard six point teaser, go figure the Saints lose the game by eight. And I think that as teasers become a big talking point over the course of the season, far beyond the scope of this show, I'm learning that eight seems to be becoming more of a key number. And last night, case in point, Arizona misses a PAT. Then they go on to convert two successful two-point conversions. Story of the season so far seems to be that teasing favorites has been a dangerous maneuver. But I also think that when we're teasing underdogs, going up through seven, not as good as it once was if we're not also crossing up through eight. Yeah, and you know what? I lost on the Saints plus seven and a half also. And when that happens, I don't care what happened in the game. I don't care how many pick sixes Dalton threw or anything. It's it's your fault. And it's my, it's my fault. It's your fault. It, you, you get the bad number. There's only so many things you can control. You can't control when Dalton's going to throw pick sixes. You can't control that the Saints are going to lose another corner due to injury in the game. But the one thing that you can control is the numbers that you get and getting the best of the number more times than not. There's a reason that the most successful betters in the world tend to beat the closing line more often than not. And from my personal standpoint, I know that I beat the closing line way more often than I don't. And when I don't, it drives me absolutely nuts. And I, I you know what, if the Saints would have covered that teaser, I still would have been mad at myself saying, you know, I should have had eight and a half. So, it's, it's just a never-ending lesson to be learned to all the people saying, oh, a closing line value doesn't matter. Like, yeah, oh, okay, okay, sure. I mean, it's the only thing that you can control as a better and just have to be better. And it's one of those things I'm kicking myself about. Yeah, well, you and me both. But speaking of teasing up through that eight, something we'll probably get to later in the show with the Indianapolis Colts. But from a prop betting standpoint, they traveled to Tennessee to take on the Titans this week. I know that you've gone on record as liking the Colts plus three, now plus two and a half being the consensus line. I think that's so good in your book. Also a great teaser candidate. But as we look at this game from a prop betting standpoint, Tennessee last in the league in net yards per play. And Hitman, I'm wondering if that has you looking toward any Indianapolis overs or any Tennessee unders in the prop betting market. Um, Yeah, I... It's funny, this week has been my least volume prop week of the year so far. It's just a lot of these numbers are coming out um, later. And I know we spoke about how later in the season, prop lines will come out later in the week. And the reason to that is because there's just more injury questions. And which means that a lot of these books are waiting until Friday to open up the lines. But for this one, there, there is a decent amount of, of lines up. Um, didn't bet much in this, but uh, Derrick Henry under 89 and a half rush yards. I think that that would be a, a strong lean right now. You know, the Colts have really been a pass funnel this season and they've done a good job stopping the run. Now I know the Jacksonville Jaguars had a pretty successful day running against them, but overall 
this Colts team has been pretty solid against the run for the year. So, and Derrick Henry, I mean, 89 yards is still a tall, is, is a tall task. I mean, I still think he's a very good running back, but is he still that dominant running back that he's been in the past two, three years? I think it's still yet to be seen. So I thought that that had a little bit of value. Um, Alec Pierce, 43 and a half receiving yards. It's one of those plays that you're like, all right, well, the Titans have been awful against boundary receivers. And that's what Alec Pierce is, is a boundary receiver. And he's a vertical threat. So that makes you a little hesitant on playing his unders. But at the same time, I mean, everybody thought that after the Denver game that he was going to get an increase in usage and snaps. And it was the same thing this week against Jacksonville. Paris Campbell got more time than him. And Pierce was the one catch at the very end from having a dud of a game. And that was on a day where Matt Ryan threw for over 400 yards. So I lean towards Pierce under as well. But it's ultimately a game that I did not get involved in much. Thinking of Derrick Henry, a much more publicly bet player than somebody like Alec Pierce, I think we can assume. If Henry does see some steam and his number trickles up, if you lean to the under at 89 and a half, is there a target price point at which you might get in play? Yeah, it's one of those things. If you have a strong lean at 89 and a half, it usually only takes a few yards to go up to be able to convince you to, to fire on that under. Uh, so, I mean, and especially with a public player like Henry, all it could take is one service, one guy releasing a, a play on Henry over, and that number is going to go up to 92 and a half, 93 and a half. So it's, it's always uh, important to monitor the market and also know where these line moves come from. You know, there's so many people that are in the prop market now that are moving these lines and have some influence. And some, in my opinion, don't deserve to have some market influence. And a lot of times you can take advantage of if one guy gives out Derrick Henry over 89 and a half rush yards and that moves a number and you don't think that the the person that released that over should have influence on, on the number, then you can come back and get a few extra yards of value possibly an opportunity to fade a little bit of steam if and when we see it on Henry, but overall a bit of a wait and see approach from a prop betting standpoint on Colts Titans this Sunday. Let's move on to the next game. I wanted to run by you Hitman, And that would be Jacob's giants at five and one taking on the Jags. Jacob, by the way, I hope you didn't catch edge rush this week because Hitman had some choice words for the giants and who they really are, despite that five and one record. But Hitman, knowing that you've gone on record being pro-Jags in this matchup, are there any Jacksonville matchup edges from a prop betting standpoint that you might want to get down on as well in this one? Well, remember something. Uh, I'm pro-Jaguars at, at a certain number. And at the opener at two and a half, I just thought that was light. But now with the market at three, minus 115, I'm, I'm seeing even some minus 120s out there. Not as pro Jaguars as, as I used to be. But um, with that said, from a matchup perspective, uh, I like Christian Kirk on his over. The, uh, the receptions aren't out right now, but the receiving yards are at 51 and a half or so. Uh, Kirk has been the guy that Lawrence has been targeting against man coverage. And you remember that the head coach, Doug Peterson, came out after um, Kirk's game 
before the Colts game. I forgot which game that was, but he was saying, oh, Kirk getting four targets or whatever it was is unacceptable. We want him in the 10-11 target range. I know it didn't come to fruition against the Colts. He still did not have the best of games. I know he had four receptions, and I was on his over four and a half receptions in that game. But again, if you look at the style of defense that the Giants play, it's man coverage, it's heavy blitzing, and Christian Kirk has been Trevor Lawrence's go-to guy in that scenario. And you're also getting a little bit of discount. I mean, Christian Kirk's receiving yards closed 62 and a half last week. And yes, the reason that it, it opened at 55 and a half, it went up because a lot of services such as myself were giving out Kirk overs. So that was influencing the closing line on Christian Kirk. But still, I mean, sitting at 50 and a half now, we're, we're getting a little bit of a discount. And I think that he is a player that I'm willing to go to bat for one more time. All right. Well, something worth getting in pocket as far as Giants Jags is concerned. And I know in this next game, you've got some thoughts as well. Green Bay at Washington, some intrigue on both sides of the ball. Rodgers may be dealing with a thumb injury that's more serious than we were led to believe leading up to last week's loss to the Jets. And then Taylor Heineke back under center for Washington. Hitman, what are you looking at from a prop betting perspective in Packers Commanders? Yeah, so th this is probably my favorite game of the, the week so far um brian robinson i mean for the for, for washington it, it was a it's a great comeback story i know everybody wants to root for him he was a really popular uh touchdown score bet the other day and a lot of it's because people want to root for him coming back from what he had to deal with in the off season but i'm just not sure how good of a player he, he is at this current state and i mean that injury or whatever you want to call it in the off season. It, I mean, who knows if he's fully healed for, from a football perspective. I mean, he's averaging only 3.2 yards per carry this year. So I know everybody's talking about, Oh, well, the Packers run defense is terrible. I mean, Robinson has not been very efficient this year. And matter of fact, Antonio Gibson looked like the better running back against the bears and it led to Ron Rivera coming out and saying that, you know, I think that we need to do a better job of giving Gibson more touches in the first half. Gibson had no touches in the first half, and then he finally did start to get touches in the second half. So I think there's a few ways that that you could win this bet with, with Gibson under. You could win it based off of him being inefficient, which he's been this entire season so far. You could win it on Gibson getting a little bit more touches. And don't forget J.D. McKissick gets a lot of work in that Washington backfield as well. Or it could be just the fact that game flow could go against them as you're, when you're five-point underdogs. So I like that. Um, Aaron Jones over 54-and-a-half rushing yards. I think that's a solid play. We'll go back and look at every single time that Aaron Jones has been a squeaky wheel. You remember week one of last year? They came out saying we need to get him the ball more. He got 17 carries that next game. Then you remember this year after week one, Aaron Jones needs to get the ball more. Got 15 carries that game, ran for a lot of yards, cashed me a nice ticket on a weekly rushing leader that week. So he's been a guy that has bounced back when they've said they needed to get him the ball. And Rodgers and LaFleur have been adamant. Aaron Jones needs to touch the ball. Washington's run defense is not good. And – um, Aaron Rodgers also spoke about we need to simplify the offense as well as saying that we need to get Aaron Jones the ball more. Well, 
what's more simple than handing the ball off to your top six, seven tailback in the entire league who only got three touches in the first half last week. So I think that Aaron Jones on over 54 and a half rush yards is worth a bet. And with that Aaron Jones bet, does that Rogers thumb injury factor into the handicap at all? Figuring again, you talked about game flow with the Robinson under 52 and a half rushing yards look, but if we're looking at Jones overs Packers as a clear favorite in this one. And even if the game flow is a bit more neutral, Maybe they're more inclined to hand off given the state of Rodgers' hand these days. Does that factor into your handicap as well? Oh, for sure. I mean, I tweeted out that I bet the Jets live the, the live under in that Jets Packers game, and I also bet the Jets. Now I only went one on one and one on that, but a lot of the reason was that it was just apparent to me that Rodgers wasn't a hundred percent with that thumb. He was constantly shaking it. There, there was some rain in the forecast, and you know, there's supposed to be some rain in the forecast potentially for this game also. So yeah, I think that uh, Aaron Rodgers potentially not being a hundred percent is, um, is definitely more reason that they would potentially look to hand the ball off to Aaron Jones. All right. So looking again for this one under 52 and a half rushing yards for Brian Robinson over 54 and a half rushing yards for Aaron Jones, couple of good looks in Packers commanders. And let's move on to the late window on Sunday Houston, Las Vegas. Hitman, you touched on this a bit in edge rush. I'd like to elaborate it now that we're doing our deep dive on props. Houston, not a great defense to begin with. And in this matchup, they play a lot of cover too. Any thought as to Josh Jacobs maybe having a field day on the ground? His rushing yardage total currently at 80 and a half. Do you see any value to the over on that one? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a high number. The, the matchup makes complete sense. Houston's playing that too high defense and they're getting run all over it it makes perfect sense but as of right now I'd probably make that number around what it is and we spoke about this in the past sometimes you could have a great handicap but if the number doesn't match up with the great handicap then it doesn't mean much so I think that that's um, one of the things in this game I think that the number just might be accounted for Fair enough. Well, let's see if we can uncover some value in a more marquee matchup in that late window on Sunday. And it's got a lot more luster now, given a recent trade, the 49ers and Christian McCaffrey taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in the Bay Area. And I know that the McCaffrey trade getting all the headlines right now, but some of the bigger matchups in this game that might mean more from a prop betting standpoint could involve defensive injuries on both sides, especially that Niners defense, keep a close eye on the injury report. Hitman, I know you like the full game over in this one. Any thought as to some props to go over as well? Um, I, I haven't done anything with the, this prop game other than when the McCaffrey trade did happen. I was betting some, um, some Jeff Wilson unders and I wasn't able to get down much on it, but um that was a little nice play to have because I mean, I think McCaffrey's going to play more than people think. I, I think he's a very intelligent player. He's been around this. He's known the Shanahan's forever. Now I know he's never played for the Shanahan's, but he grew up with the Shanahan's. He grew up and Kyle Shanahan was his babysitter. So, I mean, I, I know that his father has some familiarity in this system, and I know I, I think that McCaffrey's going to be able to pick it up pretty quick. So 
you know, you potentially look towards some McCaffrey overs, uh, but again, I, I don't know what the numbers are going to be. And there probably won't be numbers on this until very late. It might not even be till game day, but I would anticipate that McCaffrey plays more than, more than we think, but that's just an educated guess. I could be wrong. I mean, the initial reports are, Oh, maybe they'll have a red zone package for him, but um, I, I think he'll play a little bit more than anticipated but I, I haven't done much from a prop perspective i honestly haven't looked at the board much for this game i mean you would think that maybe it would help debo samuel receiving yards because debo samuel in all likelihood is going to be asked to play less running back now i mean how often are you going to take christian mccaffrey away from the running back spot you're not i mean i guess theoretically there's some formations you could run mccaffrey at slot receiver and debo at running back not not a bad switch over there but haven't done much from a prop perspective with this game yeah it is going to be a blast just as a fan to see how creative shanahan can get with one more outstanding weapon in that backfield or perhaps in that passing game as you've touched on with mccaffrey i am seeing Debo receiving yards. You mentioned this trade might bode well for him there. I'm seeing that at 60 and a half, some 61 and a half. Also, Jeff Wilson, you mentioned initially trying to get down on unders for his rushing yardage output, seeing some 57 and a half out there for Wilson. Do either of those two numbers inspire anything at this stage? So wait, you're seeing 57 and a half on Wilson right now? Yeah, I'm looking at the bet stamp player prop screen, and it looks like um, not every book, but some books do still appear to be open and hanging 57 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to look at that. I mean, if I find if I find anyone with that 57 and a half, I'm going to hit it. But I, I think it might be a stale number, to be honest. I know that DraftKings and Caesars do have it down. But I mean, if you can find a 57 and a half, someone out there on Jeff Wilson, I think that that is a, a tremendous play. And the Debo one at 60 and a half, it's it, it's more of a I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look into the game and think about it just a little bit more. But th that's the direction that I would be leaning towards is um that it would benefit Debo. Sounds good. Well, let's move on to the Monday night game wrapping up week seven. The Bears at the Patriots. Again, we'll talk more about this one soon when we talk some teasers. But from a prop betting standpoint, I know that we're awaiting word on Mac Jones' status, so there's not availability yet for too many of these options. But just to plant some seeds and get people prepared to bet when the menus open up, I've got to think that Belichick's defensive scheme against a young quarterback and a one-dimensional offense might lead to some potential value on Chicago unders. Hitman, when the Bears have the ball, is there any area in which you're looking to potentially get down on unders to fade that Chicago offense against Belichick and his defensive scheme? Yeah, um, I think that they're going to look to take away the run. So I would not be very interested in any Bears overs from a running game perspective. So again, don't know what the numbers are, but that would be my first initial lean that Belichick is going to take away what you do best. And I think that he's going to try to force Justin Fields to throw that ball. So that's how I would look at it from their perspective. And then from Patriots perspective, we have a lot of uncertainty with Damian Harris, how much he plays um, or Ramondre Stevenson. It's another one. You're going to have to see the numbers. Cause I mean, I do believe that Stevenson has overtaken Damian Harris as the number one running back for the Patriots, but 
you never know. And you got to see what the market thinks on it as well. But um, it's a game where you would envision that the Patriots are going to be able to run all over Chicago and that the Patriots are going to take away the run from Chicago. So even though we don't have the numbers, that is the most likely uh, outcome, in my opinion, for this game. I can understand why we don't have rushing yardage props available yet for Stevenson and Harris since the quarterback is such a big factor in this type of prop betting landscape. But when we look at the Bears, I mean, we pretty much know who's going to be playing for them. And yet I'm still not seeing rushing yardage totals for guys like David Montgomery or Khalil Herbert. I know this is the Monday night game, so it's taking place a little more than 24 hours after every other week seven game will be kicking off. But at the same time, it seems like prop menus open early in the week these days. Do you have a sense as to why we wouldn't have Bears running backs prop options yet or when we might start to see those hit the board? Yeah, I, I just think, again, with the injury uncertainties that are going on, you're going to see lines open up later and later. I mean, think about just some of the games right now. The Baltimore game does not have props open, at least from the Ravens' perspective, because you have the Mark Andrews situation and J.K. Dobbins situation. This Patriots game in general, there's all the questions on the Patriots side. And so it, it just – I feel like if you're a book – you're not going to open up lines when there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of uncertainty going on. And I think that that's uh, as we get later and later in the year, that that's what's going to continue to happen with these prop numbers is they're just going to open up later on Friday. And I mean, personally, I, I like when that happens. I like when they open later in the week because when they're opening on a Wednesday, and the market is just, I mean, you have certain services that are just releasing anything and everything on a Wednesday, four days before a kickoff, and there's no liquidity in the market. But when you can wait, at least until a Friday, you have some of the off popular offshores will start to open up some props. You'll have some other sites. FanDuel decides to open their props up on a Friday nowadays as well. So, I mean, the later that these books do decide to open up the prop market is that the happier that I will be. As you outline that rationale, I'm reminded of a parallel to the draft betting market where it can become such an information game. And without going down too far of a rabbit hole, just to try to understand how this market works the rest of this season and perhaps in future seasons from a prop betting standpoint, do you think that as books potentially continue to get beat up a little bit with draft props. A lot of them will still offer it because they know it's so popular for their clientele. But if they get burned by the draft, do you think they might also make some connections to prop betting markets like this when there's so much injury uncertainty? And that might mean that it becomes more, you know, the norm going back to late week prop betting options becoming available versus what we've seen more of in the past couple of years in the U.S. regulated market with some books opening up way earlier than we had ever seen before. Yeah, I mean, it, it is similar to the draft that, I mean, a lot, if you're opening these props up early in the week, a lot of it can be information based. Like, just think about, look no further than if you had information that Chris on the Christian McCaffrey trade last night. I mean, you were, I was able, I had no information. I was able to get in some Jeff Wilson unders. I mean, it's just a risk that it's not worth putting out these Wednesday and Thursday lines. Sometimes when you could get beat to information or you could get beat to injury news and you're able to get bets in. So I do see that from a book perspective, but I think ultimately what it just ends up leading to is that these books that are opening up the early lines, 
they're just not going to give you a good limit and it's just going to be a hustle. Now, again, books can say we're not giving these certain accounts good limits, but if you're a pro better, you're going to be able to hustle your way to be able to get a bet in. It's just a reality, which is why I don't understand why some of these books like DraftKings just won't let me get a respectable limit. I'll give you the bet and then you can move the action off of me. But that's a discussion for another day because guess what? I'm going to get down anyway. So you might as well know that it's me getting down rather than uh, Joe Blow from Connecticut is getting down. But it, regardless, um, I, I do think that I, I do think that maybe you do see it open up later and later. Just like the draft stuff is going to open up later and later. But I also think that you just see the limits be, be lower and lower. And it's the same for a market like the NFL draft. I think that the limits are just going to get lower and lower for it. Yeah, well, to quote Spanky, when it comes to the low limits in certain books, practices, either you're going to deal with me or you're going to deal with me. So one way or another, if somebody's going to hustle, they're going to find a way to get down. Love the behind the scenes look at a lot of your process here. But I know a lot of people also tuned in for some of the official picks we can go ahead and lock in for the week seven props and hops portfolio. Hitman, anything you'd like to go ahead and, and lock in and make official at this point? Aaron Jones, over 54 and a half rushing yards. Um, Brian Robinson, under 52 and a half rush yards. Now that's juiced a little bit. So just monitor the, uh, look at the juice on that. I, I minus 130, fine with me. And um, we could go with Christian Kirk, over 51 and a half receiving yards as well. Sounds good. And with Robinson's prop being juiced, I know some books, it's weird to me that they'll extremely, you know, heavily juice a certain number rather than go off one or two yards to, you know, a more flat minus 115. But if we do see some books adjust the yardage number a little bit, so you're more or less laying that flat juice, is there a threshold at which you you cut off the value point on Robinson under? Yeah, I mean, I, I said minus 130, probably minus 140 would be what I would go to. But also, if it moves from 52 and a half to 50 and a half, and it's minus 115, which is very realistically could happen, that's fine with me as well. Sounds good. I can't argue with any of those three looks at the prop betting market. And after a winning teaser last week, we're now up to two and four on the season. So still plenty of room for improvement. And I'll see what we can do to that end right here. I'm looking at the Colts taking them up to plus eight and a half at the Titans, pairing them with the Patriots, crossing down through seven and three to minus two, hosting the Bears on Monday night. And beyond the obvious, crossing through those key numbers of three and seven from a handicapping standpoint. With this Colts-Titans rematch, I know that week four, the Colts closed minus four at home against Tennessee. So we've seen this line adjust by six and a half points. And I think that that might be just a bit much when we account for flipping home field and then adjusting for the performance that we've seen from these teams since that week four game kicked off. Also for the Colts offense, I don't want to read too much into what they did last week against a Jags defense that has been beat up by a few teams at this point, but it looks like Matt Ryan might be finding his footing in this Frank Reich offense. Maybe they just needed some time to gel. So the arrow could be pointing up for the Colts offensively. And then with, 
it looking good for Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, Shaq Leonard to all be back in the fold for the Colts. I think if we get good news on them pretty soon and they're confirmed in, we talked off the top of the show about the value of teasing underdogs up, not just through seven and a half, but even through a number like eight up to eight and a half in an environment like this. So I don't think the Colts will be able to be teased up through eight for too much longer at this point. As we record, I do like them getting all the way up to plus eight and a half at Tennessee. And then in the second leg, Belichick, again, against a young quarterback, a one-dimensional offense where he can probably take away what they do best. Overall, just asking the superior team at home to do a little more than win outright. Hitman, any thoughts on this Colts-Patriots teaser and perhaps any other legs you're considering for Week 7? Love it. At current market, that would be my favorite teaser of the week. And I'm going to make a prediction and say that the Colts close a one-and-a-half point underdog. So if you want to get it up to eight-and-a-half, now is the time. Also, I think that um, I think that the uh, Patriots might close a little higher too. So now is the time to get it. Uh, I fully endorse, and that would be my favorite teaser at current market. Sounds good. And for the record, that is the Colts plus eight and a half at the Titans, and the Patriots minus two hosting Chicago. And as we hit the home stretch here, I also want to bring the hops back into the fold here at Props and Hops just a bit this week. If we're making some good bets, then that could open up some opportunities to afford some pretty good beer. So, Jacob, I'll toss it to you in just a moment here. I don't want to repeat myself too much after talking about my weekend hop plans with Suma on Wednesdays between the lines. But I will be going with a beer called Let's Prost. It's a Kolsch by my favorite brewery, Green Cheek Beer Company in Orange, California. And one thing I forgot to note when we were talking on Wednesday was that this is a great beer for a little bit of day drinking. I don't do that a lot, but my wife is a big Yankees fan and they've got a big ALCS game three against the Astros on Saturday. And that's a mid-afternoon game for us out here in California. So if I'm going to be doing some day drinking, nothing wrong with a light, crisp, crushable beer with some good flavor to boot. Jacob, how about you and your beer plans for the weekend? Uh, yeah, mine are a little bit different than that. Uh, the one I have in mind is a, from a brewery called Amsterdam Brewery in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And uh, I actually just uh, started trying it out this week, and I'm a really big fan. It's called Fracture Juicy Imperial IPA. Super hazy, a lot of citrus hits, and an extremely sneaky 10.5%. Uh, really, you really do not feel at 10.5. I think if you tasted it without knowing, you'd think it's probably more along like around 7, but it can kind of creep up on you if you are really enjoying the beer. So that's going to be what's, uh, what's my plan for this weekend, enjoying some football, enjoying some UFC as well. That sounds really good in a sneaky way. Just make sure you don't need to drive and probably don't need to lock in any bets after that 10% plus starts to work its way into your system. Yeah, I'll be line shopping before I start drinking or else uh, who knows what I'll put down. <laughs> sounds good. Hitman, any fun uh, drinking or other plans on tap for a weekend that will obviously feature plenty of football betting as well on your end? Yeah, Friday, I'm just so busy with betting. I mean, now that the NBA is back, with 13 games on a Friday, as well as well as the pro, a lot of props are opening up Friday. My Friday shot. My Sundays are always shot. Saturdays is mental health day. I mean, I could make a decent amount of extra money a year if I would just work on college football on my Saturdays. But the mental health aspect of it that I just got to get away from the screen at some point overrides that so i don't do much saturday saturday i usually look 
to get a golf round in and I'll always have a few drinks while I'm out golfing. So that'll probably be, be for me, but no beer for me. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a soft when it comes to alcohol and I'll just have my mixed drinks. That is completely fair. I always like to try to remind everybody there is a time and place for any drink. So when you're on the golf course, what's your go-to? Um, I'll go with a Red Bull and vodka is my number one. There we go. So it gets, gets me nice and amped up. It gives me the energy to, to fight through my uh, triple bogeys on the, the 12th hole. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, not much of a beer drinker, but a hell of a better. And it sounds like you know how to have a good time out on the golf course. So as we wrap things up, I want to let everybody know to follow Tom on Twitter at Hitman428. You can also catch him across the Hammer Betting Network on Edge Rush, breaking down thoughts on sides and totals for every game on the board alongside NFL handicapper Cleve TA and host Chris Abbott. And you can catch Edge Rush Wednesday nights or Thursday mornings, wherever you get your podcasts. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at mlandis18. And Jacob and I will be back right here with Suma for Between the Lines on Wednesday, taking a look at the most meaningful line movement early on in the Week 8 market from an NFL batting standpoint. Until then, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Enjoy Week 7, and best of luck with your bets this weekend. I'm sitting, I'm sitting, I'm-